Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <laughs> hey, that felt good, Kevin. Hey, 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 I can count on one hand in my 35 years of life on this beautiful earth, how many stress-free games we've had from start to finish, and I can't even use all five fingers. So I was thinking, like I labeled it a stress-free inner or a stress-free game. I felt pretty stressed until... Like the final, I will say that going into the fourth quarter, you were like, "Ooh, I made the 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 unbreakable rule of feeling good going in the fourth. And I think that's a reflection of the defense. Um, yes, I, I agree. By all means, it should be considered Wait, we stress-free. Gotta, we got to bring this in real quick. Sorry, oh, yeah. that's my fault. Welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast, number one Browns podcast on the planet. You got Kevin and Raleigh. And we are here to celebrate the Browns taking on the Titans 27 to three this past Sunday. Yeah, what a... And sorry, new people, old people, uh, old listeners. I mean, this song is our victory song. You'll hear on every podcast post-win. Play it up. And we're also very jaded. Uh, so when we talk about that being like not stress-free and you're like, what are you, crazy? It was stress-free the whole time. That's a fine opinion to have. I'm just saying, I don't know when the stress factor broke free. We were up like, what, 20... What was the score going into the fourth? Like 20 to three. And I was like, uh... I'm feeling good, but there's still stress. The Bengals game and the Titans game didn't allow a touchdown in either game. This defense, now, let's keep it a buck. We're three weeks in, so we can be more excited than we were after the Bengals game because you're like, oh, it's one game. Let's see what they do. This defense, I'm not going to even say that they could be one of those historic defenses because we know what will happen if I do that. Yep. But just know that I'm inching towards that feeling. Unbelievable. You got Schwartz laughing on the sideline because you had those two tight ends following Miles back and forth in motion, and they had to call a timeout because they couldn't snap the ball. (laughs) Miles, three and a half sacks. Rarely am I right about my Browns predictions. I will say when we were at Goodnight John Boy, a Browns bar here in Chicago, I looked at the bartender after, I think, the first snap that Tannehill took. Shout out, Jimmy. And I said, yeah, it was Jimmy. Shout out, Jimmy Rigo. I said... Miles is going to eat this guy today. You can just feel it. He was just ready to rock, and then Miles has three and a half sacks. Unbelievable. And but let's flip back over to the other side of the ball real quick. Actually, screw that. Stay on the defense because okay. that's the best thing. I am Number excited. Number one in the NFL. Excited to, yeah, knock on we, wood. We've never had this. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just like, like you said, as soon as we say something, if something bad happens, it's going to be because we said it. Um, 94 total yards. Titans. Miles My, Garrett. Oh, yeah. And there's like this stat of like the least points given up by defense. I called this out on Twitter. Not that it went like it should have gone viral. It didn't. 
The Browns have given up, call it 10.7 ga- points a game or something like that. Two of the touchdowns in that calculation came from the <laughs> offense. Yeah. So it's like even better than the stats, and they're still in first. But Miles Garrett has been criticized by, call it playful dissenters, that a lot of his sacks come in like non-clutch time, not exactly garbage time, but like end up being no factors. Example, he gets a sack, and then the following play, there's like a defensive holding that just erases it. People want him to take over yeah. a game and win because of yeah. Miles Garrett. And they were, I think they would have won anyway, but those three sacks, three and a half sacks he had, they were impactful in that game. At the end of the half, when Titans were driving and they sacked him when oh, and time so expired, like that, that was, was so the greatest fun. thing ever. Like he was burying back to Jim Schwartz. One of the things he said preseason is I want these players to, to lead the league in the NFL for passion for the and game. Badassery. Badassery and passion. And they are showing full signs of both. Proud of how he's turned that around. Hope they stick with it. Hope they keep up that momentum. Because how fun is it to watch a team that's sick at defense? I've never had a Browns defense where I'm almost more excited for them to come out than the offense. Y- yeah, that's. Like, because there's just something's going to happen. They are literally when they set all offseason in training camp, the seatbelt's been taken off. We're off the leash. Schwartz is letting us go. Yeah. And uh, the best defense we've had in recent time is 2014. They were like fifth overall and everything. And yeah. in 2014, there was never a time where you're like, oh, I can't wait for the but defense. We've, even, to get we've on not the field. seen something like this since like 94 Belichick defense. Yeah. Like, it is getting. So much fun, and I hope it stays there. Not going to win, no injuries. But yeah, we gave the Titans one of their franchise all-time lows, apparently. 94 total yards. You see the video after Stefanski in the locker room with our uh, our boy Wyatt Teller. Shout out Wyatt, friend of the program, and Carly. <laughs> yeah, I did. His face when they said 94 total yards. So we were talking about how this is the game. Well, we weren't going to panic yet. We told everyone to relax on last pod. We wanted to wait you know, at least four games, five games, to see what our, our offense was going to come together with. Deshaun Watson went vintage Deshaun Watson in this game. He was 27 for 33, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. We're going to forget about that uh, somewhat pass back to Elijah Moore. Wow. Yeah, yeah that was. Uh, he was threading that dang. Back to the, okay, back to no stressful game. I will say that a lot of my stress came from the almost sacks that he somehow got out of and was able to deliver strikes. Um, We're going to stop saying stressful starting now, but I am so proud of him for how he was able to bounce back. Like he got shellacked on all across the media, social media for the first two performances, particularly the one in Pittsburgh, which I didn't think was that bad, but I guess from a stats perspective, it was like bottom of the league. Uh, Pittsburgh got a pretty good defense, but damn, that had to have been huge for his confidence, huge for the big time, the everybody else on the team. And it's just good to see the signs of what he once was. And him and Stefanski, when they like hugged and did the chest bump after the game, that was when I was like, all right, it's let's go. It's time. Let's this train is off and rocking. Everyone hold hands and let's pray that this is the team of destiny where they do everything right. Most of the time. Now I'm not going to get negative here, but we did miss Chubb. Obviously, uh, we're yeah. going to miss Chubb forever, but we you could tell a little bit in this game. That being said, and I've, I've seen a lot of people say this, and I couldn't agree more, seeing Kareem come out onto the field in that first series oh, was yeah. a comforting sight without Chubb. Some familiarity, you know, you just have, he's been there before, he knows the system. 
Um, he's obviously gonna have to work his way back up to, but he looks good. He looks he, good. He wasn't gonna get a hundred gra- or you know a hundred yards his first game, but Jerome Ford, two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and back to back. Well, he didn't have two touchdowns the first week, but back to back touchdown games. Uh, I think he's just fine. The struggle seems to be from what I was looking at on Reddit, the offensive line run blocking is struggling compared to years past. I don't know if that's a lack of, uh, oh, what the hell is his name that went down? I think it's a lack of Chubb because he can take that, what looks like five guys tackling him and then turning to 20 yards. Yeah. I get what you're saying. They're still trying to get used to it. And that's part of the offense getting gelled up. Are uh, you talking about Conklin or are you talking Conklin, about Conklin? Yeah, yeah. I guess that was like the top yeah. comment where it was a direct result of Conklin being out. And maybe hey, that's but true. Dewan Jones, man, shout out for a rookie coming in yeah. to start the, essentially start the season as a rookie. And he's, he's doing fine. Yeah. He's doing fine. Uh, Amari Cooper, 116 yards, one touchdown. Look, if we've said it once, said it a million times on this podcast, on Twitter, everywhere, I will never blame the refs for a loss. I will never say they blew, like, because it's never, granted, there might be some egregious things, knock on wood in the future that I hope never happens, but it's never the refs' fault, really. Let's let's be yeah, honest here. there's been times. That out-of-bounds call was one of the worst, not, just the most blatantly wrong call, I don't want to say this too long, I've ever seen in my life. Like, not even close to being... I'm not saying it would have been a touchdown, would it? But it was the guy that was right there in front of him, like right there on the line. That ref called it. Anyway, you can't review it. Whatever. We're not gonna. Uh, oh, on sit a, on that. A positive twist on that. How nice is it that there was a blatantly wrong call that potential, like nine times out of ten, affects the outcome of the game, not in our favor. Very true. Ended up being a total non-factor. Glass half full. I like that. And. Lo and behold, D Hop is kicking his butt off. Oh, I didn't want to. Yeah. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So, why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Yeah, I'm just not going to say now, a thing about How much were you about the kicker a few weeks I, ago? I know. I'm just going to keep not saying a damn thing about him. If he keeps this perform this performance up after the season is over, I'm going to say, you know what? It was a pretty good pickup because I'm convinced that we all put that Maloik on uh, Cade York. Good luck, Cade. Maloik, good one. Hey, the Titans are not the worst defense we're going to play against this year. So I don't want people to think this is some kind of like fluke. They're not a terrible defense. They're like 22nd. Eh, they're not terrible. I'm saying we'll, we'll see some worse out there. Uh, before we get into the Ravens, the big game coming up this weekend, which you'll be attending. Yep. Uh, quick shout out to what are all, all these major world stars dating <laughs> Cleveland boys? Hey, shout out Adele. Shout out Adele. Adele's married to Rich Paul, super agent from Cleveland. Taylor Swift is now apparently dating Travis Kelsey from Cleveland Heights. Shout out. So I guess my question is, Kendall Jenner, when's it our turn? Oh, yeah. And wait, does Turtle from Entourage like live in Cleveland? Uh, his wife has Northeast Ohio ties. I don't know okay. the exact story. I know it's 
she's a Browns fan. But yeah, Adele, Taylor Swift, Adele giving a shout out at her and, concert, and, and, Tur- <laughs> and Turtle from Entourage, just the A list, baby. Your Instagram on Angry Browns fans Instagram today, I, I commented, but and people just you have to go see it to understand what I'm about to say. The fact that you probably had to sit there and listen to how many hours of Adele to get those lyrics uh, right and timed out makes me so happy. Oh yeah, I'll try to give a breakdown of for those of you that don't have Instagram. If you do have Instagram, like it, click it because it's not doing as good a numbers as I thought for the effort that you went into like it. Like twenty minutes ago, relax. that's fair. Um, basically, the joke was Adele has always been a Browns fan, and I synced up lyrics from her songs as it applies to Browns mode, like. Please don't fall apart. Like, because a lot of her songs are sad. So you're yeah. saying she's oh, always yeah. been a Brown. Every fan. one of her songs are yeah. sad, and they tie perfectly into various scenarios that come from traditionally watching Cleveland Browns football. So, yeah, just a uh, just a whirlwind of good vibes, good emotions. Uh, if you are in Cleveland this weekend, I'm going to be hosting a tailgate. Invited Kevin to come. He can't. We get it at Burke Airport. It's right by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Center. I don't know what we're going to do. There's going to be a lot of free hot dogs and beer. Still might want to BYOB. I don't know if uh, supplies are going to last, but I don't know what we're going to do. It's going to be fun, though, and I hope you guys can come and we can kick it. And don't be like, oh, I follow Angry Browns fans. Be like, I listen to the Dogs of War podcast. Everyone knows Burke Lakefront is a big-ass eyesore that we need to get rid of. Hey, <laughs> before we uh, we have an interview coming up here uh, with the Lockdown Ravens podcast host, Kevin O., um, but before that, our upcoming interview is sponsored and brought to you by the Town Tavern. Two locations in Copley, Ohio and Green, Ohio. Hey, you need somewhere that's you know right not right downtown Cleveland, a little bit outside? Hit up the Town Tavern, Copley and Green. Unbelievable patios. They've got some sweet t-shirts they sent our way of that new dog logo. So once again, shout out Town Tavern. Go check them out and let's get over to our interview. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome on a very special guest. He's the host of the Locked On Ravens podcast. He also writes for USA Today's Ravens Wire. Mr. Kevin Ostriker, sir, how are we doing? And thanks for joining us. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Doing well. Uh, it's a big divisional matchup early. You know, stakes are actually, for a week four game, I'd say, a, l- a little higher than you would expect for a little bit of an early season matchup. But that's what always happens in the North. I can't remember the last time this division has all played each other this much in the first few weeks. No, I mean, the Ravens, for them at least, they're going to be done with their AFC North Road games after next week. They travel to Pittsburgh after Cleveland, and then they're going to have played Cincinnati on the road, Cleveland on the road, Pittsburgh on the road by week five, and they're done. So (laughs) they're going to have all divisional home games, but it's been a lot of early AFC North crossover mixes, and right now, I mean, I don't know if how many people expected the Bengals to be at the bottom, although I guess they've started slow for the last four or five years now, but that offense does not look as good, does not look as good as I thought it would have early on, especially with Burrow uh, being put in there. I would have probably put him on IR, but they did what they did, and that's what it is. Got to give credit to where it's due. They stayed in it last night. I was nights ago, Monday Night Football, whatever it was. And I I feel like going against Aaron Donald would suck when you're injured. (laughs) And eventually they started going off, and it's like, okay, uh, please be not – Awesome moving forward because I'm tired <laughs> of hearing about them. Ditto. Hey, Kevin, before we jump in on the Browns Ravens game, uh, give us a quick uh, you know overview. Where you you know where are you from? You've been a Ravens fan your whole life, and how'd you get started with the podcast and uh, USA Today? Yeah, so yes, I've been a Ravens fan my whole life. Uh, actually, the first football memory I have, maybe showing my age a little bit, was uh, when I was really young, the 2005 2006 Super Bowl between the Steelers wow. and Seahawks, uh, which. Okay was, you know, kind of like the coming to age sport moment for me, I guess. 
and uh, you know, really invested in Baltimore sports. The Orioles have been awesome this year. And I'm, all, I'm actually a Denver Nuggets fan. Funny enough, they're not a DMV Wizards guy. Dude, so. You're a mutt. Yeah, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all over the place. But they, hey, the, the, after my loyalty, they won the championship. So uh, I at least can say that. But so for the podcast in USA Today, USA Today is not as interesting. It's a I literally reached out to the managing editor on Twitter at the time when Don't I was in bashful. college. And uh, no, it's it's what it was. I did that. And, you know, I started right. I was there for about a year in like the contributor, you know, writer role. And then he ended up leaving for another opportunity. The the USA offered me the, the opportunity to be the managing editor for a couple of years. I, I you know, was mutually part of ways there just because you know, I wanted to focus a little more on the podcast and do that full time. And, you know, writing is it was great. I was really enjoying doing it. And I'm still there in a, in a lesser role now, but that's just what I wanted to do with focusing more on the podcast, audio, video content. And then for the, the podcast, I actually worked out in L.A. for the network when they were still, you know, still big, but up and coming is a social media intern before their social department is the way it is now. And at the end of the summer, I was like, oh, you know, I noticed every single show had a host except for the Ravens one that showed like dead for six months. And I said, you know, jokingly, if oh, you need a Ravens guy, I've been a, I can do it. I've been a fan my whole life. And I wasn't expecting them to say yes. And they're like, oh, really? And I'm like, oh, because I had no radio experience, no hosting experience. I sent a reel. They liked it. I started to do it. I, I do not recommend listening to my first couple months of shows I was a lot We're worse ours. than I am now uh, very monotone and I think my first ever a uh, review was this host this host makes me want to spoon my eyes out which I was accurate at the time I will say but I, I had to learn to you know get used to that stuff but good on you for a fun sticking journey. with it cyberbullying worked yeah the inflections are huge but you know it's been cool we started on YouTube a couple of years ago it was audio only for a couple of years when I started we're now in the in the video aspect, so being able to build those communities has been awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful for you know, the opportunities and, and where I am now. See, kids, listen up. Right place, right time. That's how you do it, right? That's right. That is 100% correct. We have to ask, I know you're not from Baltimore, so we'll give you some reprieve, but are you a fan of The Wire? Well, I, you know, born in Virginia for six months, moved to Baltimore. You know, pretty much raised in Baltimore my whole life, and I've not seen it. I will, I will cop to it. Right, I'm a failed Ooh. Marylander, failed Baltimore on. I have never, I've never seen The Wire. I haven't seen Game of Thrones. That's neither I. It's not like <laughs> Game of Thrones didn't occur in the podcast that we represent, Kevin. That uh, is, you know, you, yeah, I, I'm here to take the play. Not even for the Browns or Ravens, just this in particular. But as we talked off the air, it is actually. Funny enough, next on my list, I'm finishing up a show right now. But I do know like the Omar references, the uh, oh my, the scene with the uh, what was it staple gun? The, the, oh the, yeah, the, the Home Depot. Yep, yep. Like yeah. I, I've this seen those hundred dollars. I, I know those references. It's just I haven't you know sat down and watched the show. Uh, how do you know the re- just because of people saying them, or did you like look them up? There, there, there have been clips I've watched. Like you know, what, there have been like wire like you know, five or 10 minute, like best scenes videos that I've watched. And then pe- people have actually gone through, like there are, there are other Marylanders or Baltimoreans who haven't seen the wire and they've done like, you know, like people I follow them, like little, like, Oh, I'm going to start watching the wire. This is what I think. And they put the clips out in the scenes. And so obviously the Ravens did the tribute to Omar when he passed a couple of years ago with the, you know, the, the whistle. And they had that be their kind of like spooky intro, which was awesome by the way. And I had known about it before then. But yeah, no, it's fun. It's funny you ask because it was it was something I've been wanting to do. I just you know it's a commitment, but it's one I definitely have to do considering well, it's one of the embodiments a, of the city. A man's got to have a code. True that. Rest in peace, Mike. I could talk about the wire all day, so I got to get us off this just because it's one of my <laughs> it's one of my favorite shows of all time. 
Let's transition over to the Ravens. Talk about you guys had a crazy offseason, right, with your quarterback. I still don't truly understand if you could explain, were you guys ever out on him, like forget this, trade him, franchise tag him, and then get rid of him after this year? Were you guys hopeful he would come back? And then talk about once he came back and signed, what were your preseason expectations and have those changed after three weeks? Well, I think to answer the first part, a lot of people did want Lamar back. I think some people were rubbed the the wrong way with, first of all, starting off last season with how his injury situation went. John Harbaugh admittedly put him in a pretty bad spot. By He was asked by the media, oh, you know, is Lamar going to come back this season? And John Harbaugh pretty much said, yeah, we know what we expect him back. He'll be back. And then he never came back. And so that ended up being a question for a lot of people of, well, why isn't he back? The head coach said he was coming back. And then Lamar ended up having to go on Twitter and clear up stuff on his own. He was very active on Twitter during the whole contract negotiation. But the fact with quarterbacks is that you never want to be in quarterback mediocrity. And the Ravens were there for so many years, you know, Flacco for elite as he was in the playoffs, you know, the, the end of that tenure, the, the wheel started to come off, the Kyle Bowlers of the world, et cetera, et cetera. Like what the Giants are going through now with Daniel Jones, paying him all that money. I would hate to be in that situation where you're paying Daniel Jones a bunch of money, but he's not in that upper echelon of quarterbacks. It's so hard to find a guy like Lamar. And Lamar is unique. You know, obviously the talent with his arm, the talent with his legs. The question was, oh, well, he wants this fully guaranteed contract reportedly. And that's scaring a lot of teams away. You know, the Ravens don't want to pay that. It's all about, oh, Deshaun Watson got the deal. So now Lamar, since he wants it, he's going to want the deal. But the fact is, Deshaun Watson still is the only quarterback with that huge, fully guaranteed contract. The key for me in that situation was actually Kyler Murray, who saw, he was the next one to sign after Deshaun. And I said, well, look, if this is a fully guaranteed deal, he's going to set the precedent, or it's either going to be like, oh, this is probably more of an outlier, as we now know, that's more of an outlier. And the reports from Lamar were like all over the place throughout the whole offseason. We had Adam Schefter reporting things. Rappaport was doing it. Lamar himself, Lamar's camp was doing it. It was such a crazy offseason where he actually dropped the trade request right before John Harbaugh sat, literally two minutes before John Harbaugh sat down to talk to reporters at uh, the owners' meetings. And so I'm sure Harbaugh is expecting to answer questions about Lamar, but all of a sudden he's peppered with, you know, Lamar requested a trade. And Harbaugh's like, what are you talking about? I just, you're, you're telling me. So I think a lot of people wanted him back in Baltimore just because of the fact that he is the heart of the city right now. He's embraced the culture, embraced the team, embraced Baltimore as a whole. And he's grown every single season to where, again, it's hard to go into a draft where even if you get the third pick from the Colts or, you know, a fifth pick from this team, is the pick still going to be as good as Lamar? And the Ravens are in a spot where their roster is built to compete. If you trade Lamar or you get rid of Lamar and enter this like weird rebuild, does that mean you're getting rid of Mark Andrews or are you getting rid of Roquan Smith? Like, what are you doing with the rest of the roster? So I just think from a timeline perspective, Lamar made the most sense anyway. And with preseason expectations, obviously it's a lot different than what it would be if it was an Anthony Richardson or another rookie or mid-tier quarterback. A lot of people are expecting big things from them this year. I think with the new offense, with Todd Munkin coming in to replace Greg Roman and hopefully have Lamar, we've seen it, more up-tempo offense. This I know Todd Munkin is an old friend of uh, Cleveland when that dreadful Freddie Kitchens short era. But what ended up happening with Munkin is he's come in and kind of established that, hey, Lamar, this is going to be your offense too. Greg Roman didn't really do that. So he's had more of a more of a say in what happens. He's had the freedom now to audible out of things. So I think it's been a positive change and one that honestly probably had to happen in order for Lamar to come back in the first place. And he's probably, has he seen the wire though? I, you know what? 
I, I, I would. Smart ass. I don't uh, know. Do you know what roughly are the details of the contract? Like, is it a five year mostly guaranteed? What, what's the setup? Yeah, it's five years, 260 with, I think, 180. It's, I've tried to block it out. It was it's such a right. long off season, but it's around, it's five, 260. And then I think around 180 guaranteed. So, but we've seen with like Hertz and Lamar and Herbert and Burrow, it's like they each one up each other by like $2 million to be the <laughs> highest paid quarterback in the league just to have that. So Lamar was the highest paid player for like two months and Herbert got his deal. But it's yeah, 5260 with about 180 guaranteed, I think. So you've already become one of our favorite interviews because we love people that answer the question before we even ask it. Because my next question was for you was with the arrival of Todd Monk and the new offensive coordinator in the offseason. What has he done to the offense and what noticeable things, if any, can we see from this offense now with Lamar? Yeah, well, I think starting the wide receiver position is now valued again. I think, you know, if you were to point to one area in Ravens history, one position that's been either devalued or just has been very bad for the Ravens, it is wide receiver. They, they've had their Derek Masons and Anquan Boldens and Steve Smiths and et cetera, but they haven't had success developing their own wide receivers. I mean, Marquise Brown, who I think is looking like the best of those guys so far, ends up wanting out because he doesn't feel utilized enough in the offense. Now, Zay Flowers is looking really good. It's only been three weeks, but he's you know already, I think, the top receiver on the Ravens. And my prediction was he was going to be the top receiver by the time the season ended. He blew that out of the water in one week. So with this offense in particular, last year it was Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, and all these guys. And you're thinking, well, the offense runs through the tight ends and the, and the running backs. The wide receivers get maybe four targets a game, three targets a game. And if Bateman goes down, you're essentially in a hole because they don't have any other options. And not only do they lose Bateman, they lose Duvernay. And you end that season with the corpse of Deshaun Jackson, the corpse of Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robin. Like, it was a disaster. So you bring in Odell Beckham and Nelson Aguilar, you draft safe flowers, you still have Bateman. That doesn't happen if Greg Roman is still there because the offense is still a tight end-centric passing offense. You're still running the ball 30, 40 times a game. It's all about balance. Lamar's a guy that has come on record and said multiple times, as all quarterbacks do, he loves throwing the ball. But I think he hasn't, Greg Roman didn't set him up in that way to do that, to unlock his full potential. And the, the Greg Roman experience probably should have ended a couple of years ago. The Ravens are a little over loyal sometimes. It's, it's a great quality to have for the most part, but sometimes it can lead you to keep guys around a couple years longer, like the strength and conditioning coordinator, who the Ravens got an F minus in that grade in that player survey. But I think Munkin has come in and provided positive changes. It hasn't all been great. They're still trying to figure things out with how many injuries they've had. I mean, they're, they're, a guy goes out and then a guy comes back and they lose two more. So it's been hard to get complete chemistry. But with the way the tempo has worked, it's been a lot quicker, a lot more fast paced, which I think has been great. You're starting to see a little bit of the field open up in general and just putting them more in better situations. It's not, it's not again, perfect right now, but I think that it was always going to be the case where it's going to take a little while to get it fully acclimated, but it's a problem when, again, you have so many divisional games and key games early in the season when you're trying to work in a new system. Uh, can you give us a breakdown of what's happening? You, you guys are plagued with injuries. That correct? I saw your tweet, Kevin. You, I, I think you said there's 21 players currently injured for the Ravens. Now, yes. outside of J.K. Dobbins, none of these are season-ending, correct? Right. The only one that maybe is John Har John Harbaugh has been very close. I think after the Lamar thing happened, he's just shied away from giving injury reports because I think that was it was such a bad mistake by him. The only other one is maybe our Darius Washington, but that's the silver lining. They do have 21 guys out or injured or whatnot on the injury reports, injury reserve NFI. But only J.K. and maybe our Darius Washington are 
actually season ending or potentially season ending. Um, and as this is a Browns podcast, we got to ask two Browns veterans with uh, didn't leave on the best of terms with the franchise, <laughs> OBJ and Clowney. How they doing for you? Yeah, well, Beckham's hurt. He's one of the injuries. Um, he was fine right. before he got injured. You know, he uh, wasn't like I think he has. I don't even know, but it was not a lot of yards, not a lot of catches, but drew a couple of big PI calls in the Bengals game, one of which was a foul on him, but the ref literally wasn't looking and decided to call a penalty on the Bengals, which, hey, I was Ravens guy, I'm not complaining. But he's come in and really embraced everything. I think he's grown up a lot, honestly, since, you know, his Giants days and maybe Cleveland days as well, and kind of just shifted into more of a mentor role for guys like Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers. It actually has been a pretty solid transition for him. Now, again, how much are you going to get from him on the field? He already hasn't played a full season. I wasn't expecting him to have that happen anyway. But, you know, for a team that has Bateman and Flowers, you hope that you don't have to rely on Odell to be this thousand-yard receiver, which I don't think he would have been in the first place. But it's been fine there. And Jadavion Clowney actually has been the Ravens' probably best pass rusher, one of their better defenders this year. He's been super disruptive. Both as I see the head shakes. Uh, I, you always know what's going to happen when they leave the Browns. They become stars. Yeah, but, I would. I think he kind of got a bad PR look, and I wouldn't even. He basically said something behind closed doors that got leaked out that made it seem right. like he had just quit. And quite frankly, I'm looking at every defensive unit in the past couple of years under Joe Woods, our old DC. I'm saying it's on that guy. Like it could have been so jacked up that veterans like Clowney could be like, okay, what are we doing here? And voicing real concerns, feeling not heard, feeling frustrated, feeling whatever. And then they benched him. So my policy has been, I will not judge any defensive player on the Browns that played under Joe Woods. But he's starting off well for you guys. Yeah. And he actually, I think he spoke today to the media here on here on Wednesday about that whole thing. And he said, yeah, you know, he has a lot of respect for the, Cleveland organization, the coaches, et cetera. It's just, again, something that happened behind closed doors and the, the whole thing that happened, which was honestly very weird. I, it's very rare you have a situation like that happen. Yeah. But he, he, the thing with him has been consistency. Like as a pass rusher, he wasn't very consistent. He hasn't been consistent his whole career, but he's been at least decent to start this season. It's been as a run defender where he's made his bread and butter consistently over the years. And he's been, he's been good there. But again, he also injury-wise, with the way the Ravens are injured right now, surprise, surprise, he's not one of them because of the injuries he's had. But it's worked out for him well. I know there were some questions about the injuries and the leadership that he could have, but I think it's had both those guys have been pretty decent fits both on the field and in the locker room so far. Obviously, Beckham not playing as much than Clowney because of the injury. So it sounds like you guys had pretty tempered expectations for Odell. Like Obviously, we know what his ceiling can be depending on what these injuries and, you know, what, how he recovers from that is one of the better def- or receivers in the league. But it sounds like you guys were kind of expecting him just to be maybe an above average, but hopefully a good receiver if all things worked out perfectly. Well, my thing is like, look, if, if the best case, if you were to get like low wide receiver one production from Odell on the contract he's on, that's awesome. But he, he w- probably wasn't going to be that considering one, the Ravens still run. It's not like Greg Roman left and the Ravens just are going to throw the ball 60 times a game. They're still going to run the ball a lot. It's not like all these guys are going to get targets. And what the Ravens have done early on is they've actually, I don't want to force fed is the wrong phrase to use because it has, they haven't been forcing them the ball and it's been like in bad situations, but Zay flowers has been the guy that's been getting the ball the most. And part of it has to do with the fact that, you know, Odell's been out and, you know, Bateman has had some, they've been ramping him up coming back from his foot injury. But at this point, 
it's almost like the Ravens were in on Julio Jones for like three, four years, it seemed like. And every time I was like, look, if you sign a guy like Julio, you're going to have to account for missed games because he's going to miss games. And it's the same thing with Odell, where he's had the injuries. He's up there in age now. If he can play a full 17, great. But if I'm being smart about it, I'm going to anticipate he misses at least a few. And obviously, so far, he has at least missed the one so far. So for me, if Flowers can be your one and Beckham can be like a mid to low two, and not really contribute like 100 yards every game. He doesn't have to do that. But I wasn't expecting him to come in and be like this top five wide receiver. The Ravens got him. Like when you look at the deal in particular, it wasn't overpaid. I mean, they, they overpaid him based off of what his contract was. One year, I think 15 million that can go up to 18. And if he doesn't come back, the Ravens have four void years with a pretty big void year cap hit. But it was a necessary overpay because Lamar, you know, he's needed a guy like Odell for a while. They haven't gone out there and gotten him a veteran that is established. And I'm not saying he's in that same vein of like, oh, they traded for A.J. Brown or they traded for Stephon Diggs or one of those moves. But it was like it was the next best thing, essentially. And then you could argue, should they have gone for DeAndre? I've talked about DeAndre Hopkins a ton, but I wasn't expecting Odell to come in and be like this top five wide receiver. I was always I was aware of the injury situation and aware that he's not exactly 25 years old anymore. When did, uh, jog my memory, uh, Marquise Brown, AB's little cousin, he had a solid rookie year and was it only rookie year with you guys? He he was, he was, he actually improved every year. He was with the Ravens. He was good. How many years was he with you guys? Three. He, he got traded last draft. Was that a, uh, cause I think Lamar tweeted like, what the hell when the, the trade was announced? Yeah. yeah. Was that like a uh, one of those, oh shit, we got to keep Lamar happy? And that was not like, was the fan base pissed about that? What was the, granted, it's three years well, ago, so who really cares? And I don't even know if he's relevant in the NFL anymore. Granted, he plays for Arizona. But what was the that like to the fan base? Was that like the start of the, oh shit, we need to keep Lamar happy mindset? It was crazy because no one, literally no one knew. Apparently what happened was it was behind closed doors. Marquise Brown requested the trade and they had a deal in place with Arizona for a couple of weeks that was going to happen on draft night. But the deal was if it got out and it got leaked, it was like the deal was canceled. They weren't going to do it. So no one knew I was, I was doing an appearance for the network on, you know, the live draft show. And they said, all right, we'll see you at pick 22 after they drafted Kyle Hamilton. I'm like, what are you talking about? The Ravens will have another first round pick. And they're like, they just traded Marquise Brown. And I'm like, haha, like funny. Like, cause no one expected it to happen because Lamar and Marquise Brown go way, way back. They're childhood friends, both growing up in South Florida. But the offense got so bad at that point where Marquise Brown is just like, look, I want to feel like I'm a part of the offense more. I want to feel like this is happening. And wide receivers weren't, and there were, there was debates about whether they would have paid him anyway. I mean, the offense at that time, they weren't going to pay a receiver, especially one that probably is going to be demanding upwards of $20 million per season. But with that, You essentially lose your top wide receiver and you're trusting all these young guys. When again, we've seen Josh Allen get Stephon Diggs, Kyler Murray got both DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown. You know, these teams go out there like the Eagles with Jalen Hurts. They they surround their young quarterbacks, especially on rookie deals with big time, big time paid wide receivers that never happened with Lamar. And so people for years clamored for, oh, they need to get Lamar this top wide receiver. They're holding him back in this offense. And I think that was true. You could argue, oh, Mark Andrews is their top wide receiver. But it's not, it's not exactly – it's not apples to oranges. It's, it's, it's different. So I think people started to understand that, oh, these receivers really don't want to play here. And if you don't get Lamar the weapons he needs, 
maybe he'll just go somewhere else where a team will value that more and get him what he wants. Speaking of weapons, and I hate when my favorite Ohio State players, an Ohio State fan, goes to the Steelers or the Ravens or even the Bengals. Losing a losing a starting back is tough. Trust us. We talk about losing J.K. Dobbins and obviously Big Bo, but when you have a reigning league MVP quarterback who's also staying back, how big of a blow really is that to the Ravens offense? Well, I, th- I think it's big, and not for, I am an Ohio State fan, also. By the way, my my grandparents grew up in Columbus. My you really are Ohio. Lot, man. <laughs> but I mean, Jake, it's tough for J.K. I feel so bad for him because he's a he's a competitor. He's super tough, and he's gone through a lot these past now three seasons, where suffered the torn knee in the preseason when honestly the Ravens should not have been playing their starters anyway, but they decide to go out for a series. And obviously, with football being what it is, an injury can happen at any point and JK goes down. Then he has to have the cleanup surgery last season because the injury wasn't fully healed. It wasn't just an ACL. It was multiple ligaments. The knee got really, really messed up. So he has to have the cleanup surgery last year comes back and doesn't look like JK, but you see the flashes. You see like, Oh, if he can just get fully healthy in the off season, he can do it. Comes out week one, scores a touchdown against the Texans. Doesn't have like the greatest game in the world, but goes down with the Achilles on again, just a, a weird play. And I think at this point, you can call him injury prone. I mean, it's I hate saying that, but it's true at this point based off what he's gone through. And the worst part of it is he pretty much had a – everybody knew what it was. It was a hold-in, trying to negotiate some sort of a long-term deal with the Ravens. We know the running back position right now contractually is just in a hole for everybody, not just JK. So he ended up holding in until right about the end of training camp, comes back, probably in hopes of like, hey, if I don't work myself in training camp, maybe I can be a little more fresh for the season if I just ramp up a little bit, and it all comes crashing down. So from a Ravens perspective, he's their best running back, one healthy. Gus Edwards is great. He's super underrated. But them having the duo of Dobbins and Edwards just makes him so dangerous. And now having him gone, you got to rely on Edwards a lot more, which is fine. But we'll see how that ends up holding up as the season goes on. Justice Hill, and then guys like, Melvin Gordon and Kenyon Drake, who, you know, if you talk about injuries, Edwards practiced him full on Wednesday. Justice Hill's been out with a toe thing. If they're not, if they don't have Edwards, Dobbins, or Hill, goes from probably a top five running back room to probably the worst in the NFL. So it's, losing Dobbins is tough, especially because he's so good. And the potential's been there. The rookie season, he was so good, averaged six yards of carry. And it's just like, well, what if he could stay healthy? What could it have been? And I think that's what probably hurts the most for both him and, and the entire fan base. Uh, Thanks again for coming on, Kevin. Uh, one of the topics we like to end on, wind down on, where do you see this upcoming matchup, Browns-Ravens? Where do you see the Ravens thriving? Where do you see them falling short? How do you see them beating the Browns? How do you see them losing to the Browns? Well, I think in the area that... Yeah, <laughs> the area that hopefully on offense the Ravens can get established early is just like maybe the short passing game. I mean, Cleveland's defense is for real. I'm, I'm not here questioning it. But Zay Flowers is very hard to cover one-on-one. Cleveland will probably have a couple of tricks up their sleeve to try to defend him. But if they can just get the short passing game going early and just honestly protecting Lamar, like you have to go up against Miles Garrett and Darius Smith and Dalvin Tomlin, and that revamp Browns defensive line that's incredible this year. Garrett's a tough cover. You can't really contain him. You just try to, got to try to slow him down as best as you can. The Ravens got a couple of guys back in practice on Wednesday. Ronnie Stanley, Tyra Linderbaum, Marcus Williams. I'm not saying the guy, those guys are going to play. This might just be you know the start of the ramp up for them. But 
if Stanley comes back, obviously it's good to have against Garrett. Now maybe Garrett gets the Morgan Moses assignment and, you know, they line him up in a bunch of different places. But if you can keep Lamar in the pocket and just feeling comfortable there, Lamar is a guy that, you know, if you have to pick a guy who can escape and make something out of nothing and just, you know, frustrate defense, it is Lamar. We've seen it happen. But I mean, he's been someone that has looked better throwing the ball in the pocket. He's not that he wasn't good before, but he's looked better doing that because he has the weapons around him now. Now, if Bateman and Beckham play, that's another question. But if the Ravens can get some sort of a ground game going early and just making sure the Browns don't shut them down and make them one-dimensional and just not stop with the self-inflicted mistakes, too. I mean, Baltimore against the Colts, four straight drives, four fumbles. They recovered two, they lost two. That just can't happen in a professional football setting. And then on defense, I would just say, again, try to make Cleveland one-dimensional. They might get Marlon Humphrey back. They might not see what happens with the pass rush. But if they can stop Jerome Ford, stop that Browns running game, maybe Kareem Hunt plays, maybe he doesn't. We'll see what happens. But then shutting down Amari Cooper and then just making Deshaun Watson beat you. I know the the jury's kind of out right now on Deshaun Watson. Looked a lot better last week than he did two weeks ago. And I know that was a pretty low bar considering what happened in that Pittsburgh game. But this this if you're the Ravens, you don't want to be the momentum giver to Deshaun Watson and the Browns. You, you want to kind of shut him down again and – try to get some of those questions back up where if he has a second straight good game against what I would say is a pretty good defense, even though they don't have Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Williams, this is actually a matchup of the top two pass defenses in the league, Cleveland being number one and the Ravens are actually tied for second and number two in terms of net yards per attempt. So shutting down those guys early and often is going to have to be the key for the defense, getting Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen involved and, and having them fly all over the field. They're, very many ways both the Ravens and the Browns can win this game I think it'll be close the AFC North football they're always like those slog it out tough hard-hitting physical games and I love it I love those games and I think this one again is gonna be really good holy sh- how old are you <laughs> 20 was like that was like the most professional <laughs> perfect answer I've ever heard I love like like but no 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 that was a that was a full compliment that was so well no answered. I appreciate well it done. thank you that's why we bring guests on because it, it increases the IQ of us in this podcast exponentially. That's, that's, that's real shit. Yeah. He said like eight things there. I'm like, I've never thought to say anything like that as it applies to the Browns. Oh, he knows the Browns yeah, very well. I'd be the momentum giver guys. We're always the momentum giver guys. Yeah. Make opposing running. When I think like of, Hall of Famer. when I think of Ravens, it, it, no, no real Browns fan is it, no one's looking past this game. By any means, I know we're all riding real high right now from this past game and the defense, but Lamar is still Lamar. I still, even from that damn poop game, I still have memories of sitting there on that Monday night game and him ruining my whole month because of that game. That dude can take over games and win games. That's why he's a former MVP. That's why he's one of the best, I think, besides Nick Chubb, probably the hardest guy to tackle in the open field in the entire league. Been wrong before, but... Let's just hope uh, for uh, how about a good, clean game with no injuries, no more injuries to either side. Oh, yes, please. I, I would take that 1,000%. Well, no, Kevin, really appreciate you coming on, man. Again, hell of a name. Uh, we'll have all of Kevin's info in the description. But once again, host of the Lockdown Ravens podcast. You can find that on all, plat- or all podcast platforms. Writer for USA Today's Ravens Wire. Sir, really appreciate it again, man. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. It was, it was a blast. Absolutely. Hey, for Kevin, for Raleigh, for myself, thanks for listening to Dogs War Podcast and good night, Cleveland. Any given Sunday, you could see him arrive. He's been six foot two, weight 220.
25. Number 32, he was better than the rest. Everybody knew that he was the best. Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Big Jim Brown. First-round pick in the 57 draft. Started setting records at the League of Gas. Had a debut like few in sports history. He was rookie of the year and the MVP, Jim Brown. No one ever seen anybody like Jim. Year after year, the competition was him. Touchdown after touchdown, win after win. Title after title kept raking them in, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Jim Brown, Jim Brown. Then came that game on that day in December that still to this day's reminisced and remembered. The world stood still and hearts beat fast. Not one point scored, zero zero at the half. But hold on. Through the third and fourth quarter, they kept fighting hard through touchdowns and field goals and Jim's rushing yards. Cleveland had 27 and the Colts had none. Were triumphant, the championship was won. Jim Brown, Jim Brown, Big Jim Brown, Jim Brown. Through all of the seasons, he never missed a game. He was voted to the Pro Bowl every year that he played. He had eight leading rushing seasons, three MVPs, and still holds a franchise record for most rushing in the league. Jim Brown. Director's chair on a movie set. Jim broke the news that they'll never forget. He said he'd made up his mind. He said it was time. He said he retired. It was the end of the line for Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Big Jim Brown. in the Hall of Fame. He's got a ring of honor and a statue in his name. You can sum up this man in one single line. He's the greatest NFL running back of all time. Big Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Big Jim Brown. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.